Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General John McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. Hope you had a great wild card weekend as we record this on Monday. There's still one game left, so depending on when you're listening to this, wild card weekend may be all finished up. But um, we've got a lot to get to here on this episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. My name is Sean Pendergast, alongside the Hall of Famer, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and of course GallerySports.com as well, John McClain. John, how was... uh, how would you rate the wild card weekend this past this past weekend? A plus as far as excitement, action. Uh, there were a lot of bad coaching decisions, player decisions, but for the overall play, there was only one blowout, and that was the 49ers. But man, oh man, those other games were so much fun, and I can't wait till the divisional round, which traditionally has been the greatest round. Yeah, last year that's when it started. Last year, John, remember last year? I think. Starting in the divisional round, there were seven games left for the rest of the year. The four divisional games, the two conference title games, and the Super Bowl. And if I'm not mistaken, six of those seven games finished with a margin of three points or less. And the one that didn't might have been the best game out of all of them because that was the Chiefs-Bills game that went to overtime. And the reason the margin was more than three is because the Chiefs scored a touchdown to begin overtime. So that was a six-point margin. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's going to be tough to live up to. Um, for this for this uh, this upcoming weekend of games, the standard set last year. As far as the games this past weekend goes, if we're looking at it through a Texans prism, I don't know about you, but to me, the biggest t- a couple things. One, there were certainly a couple coaching performances that I looked at and said, "Man, I wish they talked to that guy, Brian Dayball, maybe being chief among them." But I, it's hard to ignore what Jacksonville did against the Chargers and think that okay, well, this Trevor Lawrence has arrived. You know, it's I know it was one bad half and one good half. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen a player throw four interceptions in a game and get lauded so greatly for bouncing back from throwing four interceptions in a game. I saw the fame quarterback Kenny Stabler do that, but it was in regular season at the Jets, and they lost in overtime on a field goal. By the way, you brought up overtime. What happened last year in the Buffalo-Kansas City game can't happen anymore. They changed the rule where if the first team scores a touchdown, second team gets the ball. You could call that the Buffalo rule, and I like it. They should have done it a long time ago. I agree. I agree. What did you think of uh, what did you think of that Jacksonville game with Trevor Lawrence and uh, and them coming back? I was not surprised the way he came back because that's the way he's supposed to play when they drafted him. He's a generational quarterback, supposed to be the best drafted since Andrew Luck in 2012. Now, I was stunned at his four interceptions in the first half. I think that the Chargers' mistakes – had as much to do with the Jaguars pulling that game out as it did what the Jaguars did. And it was fantastic. But, man, they Chargers, you know, do you for you to blow that kind of lead, you got to just be god-awful, and they were. Yeah, I mean, that, John, that's the culture of their franchise. If we looked at the culture of all 32 NFL teams, the culture of the Chargers franchise is they blow it. Whether it's a, a choke job and coughing up a lead or just a weird injury or whatever, it seems like a snake-bitten franchise. Um, I thought that game really turned. I mean, I know that everybody's going to talk about the second half. I thought where that game turned is when the Chargers had the ball with about three minutes to go in the first half, and they were up 27 nothing. 
and they got cute on a third and in inches. Uh, they tried a jet sweep to that little the kid Bandy, the, the little white wide receiver who was in because DeAndre Carter was hurt. And instead of just running the ball up the middle or doing a QB sneak or letting Justin Herbert throw the football, they ran that play. And I read an article about it, and Bandy was in there as a sub, and he didn't know what the audible was for it. That's why he, when they went to hand the ball off to him, he didn't even put his hands up because he didn't know he was supposed to get the ball. Ball rolls into the backfield. They end up having a punt. And Jacksonville, in their two-minute drill, drives down and gets a touchdown right before the half to make it 27-7. to which I thought was huge for them to go into the locker room with some momentum. They had to go up-tempo to get the touchdown, and they kind of discovered something because they used a bunch of up-tempo in the second half as well that really worked well for them. I, I mean, I get it. They're trailing the whole time, so tempo makes sense. But once the game got close, they were still using it. So I thought that was a huge turning point at the end of the half. And the Chargers, they deserve to lose the football game. You get fancy on third and, third and inches when you're up by 27 points against a team that – has zero experience in the postseason, uh, at least the players. Obviously, the head coach won a Super Bowl. Um, but I I I I feel zero remorse for the Chargers. That 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 franchise is uh they're they're I mean Herbert's a good player, but they're a mess right now. The uh Vikings tried a similar play and it backfired. Yeah. And uh there's no need to do that. But the problem, and I bet you Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, the Chargers gets fired. She was terrible. Number one, they didn't run the ball. They didn't get the ball to Austin Eckler, their touchdown machine enough. He just did a terrible job to have Justin Herbert and to throw, uh, to score three points in the second half is just inexcusable. Yeah. So I'm guessing Joe Lombardi won't be on the Texans head coach search list this time around, huh? I'm guessing he's not. They're interviewing a lot more higher qualified candidates. Although last year, Justin Herbert had a great season. He didn't make the playoffs because the Texans beat him. Yeah. But he was fantastic. And they got talent on that team. That would be, if they fired Brandon Staley, and I don't think they will. But if they did, that would be a primo team to go to because they have so much talent and skill positions. They got pass rushers, although Joey Bosa went brain dead and cost them big time and they they've just got talent on both sides of the ball there's no reason that they blew that game i picked them to win and i was feeling pretty cocky there for a while you know when um justin herbert overthrew keenan allen who was wide open Mm -hmm. that was a killer when dicker the kicker missed the field goal that was a killer they just had all kind of things they did to give the Jaguars life, and the Jaguars took advantage of it. And I'm happy. Everybody loves, everybody loves Doug Peterson. I haven't seen anything about the Jaguars, you know, that people go, they're a bunch of jerks or he's a jerk. They got a bunch of good guys. People got to be happy for them. Yeah. What about Sunday, John? What was to what, to to you? What was the biggest storyline coming from the games? On Sunday, you had the Buffalo win over Miami. You had the Giants win in Minnesota. And then the Bengals on the heels of that 98-yard fumble return by Sam Hubbard. They beat the Ravens. What was your what was your big takeaway from the Sunday games? Well, I was glad Al Michaels and uh, Tony Dungy weren't doing them because <laughs> they did a terrible job. They were awful. 
having Dungey do do that, it's not his personality. He's just not that way. He's not opinionated. He's not excitable. That's the way he was as a coach. And they have him there because of who he is, one of the most respected people in NFL history. And I never thought at any Amazon broadcast this year where Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet Kirk were on, even though the games were terrible, that Al Michaels should retire. But now everybody wants him to retire. And I think Dungey had as much to do. Their lack of chemistry, first time together, first time I think Dungey done that. But I'm glad they didn't do those games. Miami, terrible clock management. But, man, to put such a scare in the Bills, that was about as impressive as you could get with a seventh-round pick at quarterback who's a knock, not of the Brockster at the 49ers. And I think that the Bills are scary, and that's not good. Josh Allen is, has a habit now of committing too many turnovers, two interceptions, a fumble return for a touchdown, and they're going to have to play better if they're going to beat Cincinnati. Now, the Bengals had to have that miraculous play to win. They should have lost that game. Yeah. And I never like any player, including Trevor Lawrence, stretching the ball over the goal. I just don't think it's necessary. I also don't like – the shotgun on the goal, goal mm-hmm. line. I think that you need to have the quarterback under center. And um, the Bengals are very, very fortunate. Now they've lost their left tackle. They have three of their starting linemen who are out. It's going to be very difficult for Joe Burrow to get time to throw with all those injuries up front. But it was still a great game, a great finish. And, you know, the Hail Mary play didn't get at the end, didn't get a lot of attention. But there was some angles from behind the end zone in which a Baltimore player had the ball in his hands and he couldn't hold it. It would have been a winning touchdown. And I just wish Lamar Jackson had been able to play. And then the Giants and the Vikings. I I picked the Vikings. I don't know why. I should have picked the Giants. Brian Dable going to be runaway coach of the year. And Daniel Jones, boy, he's playing for a new contract. Saquon Barkley's paying for a new contract, it's going to cost the Giants a lot of money to re-sign those guys. Mm. They've got to get one of them, Sean, because you can't franchise two. And Barkley knows this will be the only big contract he gets as a running back, where Daniel Jones may end up with two or three more. But you talk about maximizing your value to a franchise. Daniel Jones did it better than anybody. Okay, John, if you had to pick one to franchise, that's a great one. Uh, if you had to pick one and you're the Giants to franchise tag, would it be Saquon Barkley, who plays the position that is not a great shelf life with that position? I think a lot of teams would like to just go year by year with these running backs, and he's had injury issues before this year. Or Daniel Jones, who's only had one good season, and you might be nervous about giving him a long-term deal. Which, if you had to pick one, obviously Jones's number is going to be higher on a franchise tag than – Saquon because of the position that he plays. But if you if you were if you were Joe Shane, the the GM for the Giants, who would you franchise tag? Daniel Jones, without a doubt. You can get running backs, but he what Brian Dable and offensive coordinator Mike Kafka, I believe, will be gone for a head coaching job, and maybe it's here. And I said I think it says a lot about him where he could be doing in-person interviews this week, but he said no. Hmm. As long as we're playing, I'm not interviewing. A good friend of Andy Reid's told me three years ago that Andy was hoping that Eric Bieniemy would get a job and he could elevate Kafka 
because he thought Kafka could be a great coordinator and a great and had the possibility of being a great head coach. And now Matt Nagy didn't, you know, he was uh, he bombed out with the Bears, but doesn't doesn't mean just because you work for Andy Reid that that's the case. But mm-hmm. man, I know how high he was, and that's one of the first people Debo hired, and Kafka has done a tremendous job with Daniel Jones. And uh, so he's going to get a co- head coaching job somewhere. But to me, you always franch- franchise the quarterback because it's so much harder to get. And uh, I thought they had a tremendous game plan. Problem with that game plan, they had Daniel Jones running a lot. Yeah. And if you're going to have that game plan with him running that much, you're cruising for bruising. Oh, yeah, especially against Philly next week. No doubt about that. Um, all right, John. So let's get into then the um, you mentioned Kafka as a candidate for the Texans. As you and I are recording this, Ben Johnson has interviewed via Zoom, and then the two Philly coordinators interviewed via Zoom over the weekend. Um, and so, so that's three of the eight that they've requested interviews with. My understanding is that uh, Ijira Aviro is interviewing on Tuesday. And I had seen reports that Thomas Brown is interviewing on Tuesday as well. The assistant head coach with the Rams, I guess you and I have not done this podcast since the list of candidates has taken its full on form like this. What are your thoughts on how the it's early? I get it. We've still got at least a couple of weeks till this thing gets hashed out, but, uh, just in general with where this coaching search is right now, how are you feeling about it? They've got eight guys on their list so far. There could be more. Sean Payton is one of them. As great a coach as Sean Payton is, he's going to cost you $20 million a year. He's going to need total control. That means Nick Casario would have to be fired because he's not going to take a pay cut to be a glorified personnel director, which he was a personnel director in New England. And his contract says he has final say. Payton wants final say. And Peyton, I think the best place to go would be Arizona. It needs a coach and a general manager, or he has a quarterback, and he's known the Michael Bidwell, the owner, since he was in college at at uh, Eastern Illinois, and the Cardinals trained there when they were in St. Louis, and he was a ball boy who got to eat with the team and meet everybody. So he's known the family for a while. And Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator of Philadelphia, you know, he didn't play this weekend, so he didn't get as much positive pub as Mike Kafka. And he's been a coordinator longer than any of the people on the Texans list, which is three years, one with the Chargers, with Justin Herbert, two with the Eagles. He calls plays. He's got the most balanced offense in the league. He's got great running game without one great running back. He's got a really good offensive line. He's benefited from Nick Sirianni's coaching and Howard Roseman, the GM, who will be a runaway for executive of the year. The people they brought in on both sides of the ball, and uh, I think he and uh, Jonathan Gannon, obviously Gannon, the defensive coordinator, didn't hold it against Casario and the McNair family that they elevated Lovey Smith after he interviewed two times. He's already entered. So I think with this game that the Eagles are going to play against the Giants, we're going to hear a whole lot about Steichen and about Gannon. I don't think Thomas Brown will be the next head coach. I'd love to see it be D'Amico. Ryan's he can do interviews this week. Teams want to interview him, including the Texans. And uh, they like Ben Johnson a lot. He's been a coordinator one year. A lot of enthusiasm. Did a great job when he took over the play calling about halfway through last year. And Jared Goff started playing great. 
So I don't know enough about him, Sean, but I, uh, I, I'd love to see D'Amico. Mm-hmm. If it came down to a coordinator, I would have no problem with Steichen, with Johnson, or with Kafka, even though Johnson and Kafka have only been coordinators for one year. Mike Tomlin was a coordinator for one year. Brandon, uh, I hesitate to say this. Brandon Staley was a coordinator for one year. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you can't be a successful head coach and get in the playoffs. And I feel like if it's a defensive coordinator, it would be D'Amico or Gannon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, but if you made me pick, I would say it's going to be a young guy. And he's going to be an offensive, have an offensive background. Well, I, along those lines, then if it's those, if it's young offensive coordinators that could be the you know, profile, at least as the one, as the, uh, as the prime choice, we should mention too, that D'Amico got a request today from the Indianapolis Colts to interview for their head coaching job. And he's going to, I think I saw a report from Adam Schefter that he is actually interviewing with the Broncos on Thursday and then with the Texans, Colts, and Panthers, I think, sometime between now. No, Cardinals. I'm sorry, not the Panthers, the Cardinals. Between now and uh, in the playoff game on Sunday. They play Sunday late afternoon, the 49ers do, against the winner of uh, tonight's game uh, between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. Um, but if it's a young offensive coach, John, then um, I would imagine whoever those guys are are probably uh, pretty excited that C.J. Stroud just came out today and said he is going to be uh, applying for the NFL draft. And that means that the Texans' top two pick is uh, you're assured of at least Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or who knows, whatever happens at one, maybe you're guaranteed a shot at uh, at your choice of the two as opposed to the leftover. By the way, uh, these interviews they do at first on Zoom and even in, in person or get acquainted sessions in which the candidate comes in and tells them his list of coaches at every position. And then if they like each oh, like other. They're, then, like you're saying, they're staff, they're prospective yeah, staff. Yeah. yeah. And if they like each other, then he comes in for an interview in person. It could be they have two more interviews in person. So the key is. You want that guy to want the job and you want him to want you because you want multiples. And when you got multiple teams, some have other strengths than others. You know, you got, and Casario's the main person. You know, the only thing people are going to want to know here is why did you fire two coaches in two years? Those of us who watch the Texans, we know why they got fired. And so people around the country that didn't watch the Texans think, you know, it's terrible they did it. The fact is, next coach going to get another five-year contract. He's going to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. probably $5 million a year. And uh, and I think they will get a good coach. The key is you can't rush it and panic, but you don't want to twiddle your thumbs because whoever gets the first coach or two get better choices of assistant coaches. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, uh, I never thought C.J. Stroud was not coming out. I saw his hand ringing by fans and some – Members of the media, give me a break. He's got a chance to be the first pick in the draft. There's no NIL out there at any school, including Florida, uh, which was acting like it was going to give a quarterback prospect $13 million. And that's I saw that. Yeah. And that C.J. Stroud wouldn't come out. You know, Stroud's got a chance to go first overall. If he went back next year, he might be third best overall, not going to top 10. I think he'll go no, no later than four to the Colts. 
and he could go number one, and there could be another team besides the Texans or Colts that trades up to get him or Bryce Young. Both of them are great young prospects. I can't wait to see the evaluation prospect and if there is a clear favorite as we approach the draft in late April. John, if you had to just purely, I, I know that's it's guesswork at this point, but if you, it, what would your comfort level be in throwing a percentage out there, chance that the Texans come away with one of Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud right now? If you had to guess. Uh, oh, I'd love to have either one of them. Then no, 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 but I'm, that's, I know you'd love to have either one. I'm saying what, what like, do you, do, would you feel comfortable placing a big wager on them getting at least one of these two guys right now? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, Nick Casario would get run out of town if he said, you know, we're going to sign Derek Carr, assuming he's available, mm-hmm. uh, has been cut. Nobody's going to pick up his contract. Or Jimmy Garoppolo, and then we're going to take tackle Jalen Carter or edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. Now, uh, the only way one of those guys – is going to sign with another team, I believe, is if they think they can help that team get in the playoffs. And I don't know anybody that's going to say Texans in playoffs in the same sentence next season, maybe in 2024. So they need to get the franchise quarterback, just like Rick Smith did in 2017. And I can't imagine it wouldn't be one of those two quarterbacks. Now, maybe they'll clearly have one above the other and have to trade with the Bears. You know, the Bears would love for the Colts and the Texans to get in a bidding war, but I don't see Casario giving up much to move up like that. But when all is said and done, the only difference in these two quarterbacks is going to be the size. I talked to a a Southeast Conference coach yesterday. He's gone up against Alabama every year, and he said he thinks that when he's at the combine, he'll measure 5'11". They list him at – six and he played they listed him like 195 he'll probably by then his agent will have him eating like crazy <laughs> he's somewhere close to 200 five eleven 200 is fine i watched a, a and i saved this rick spielman who was general manager of the vikings and was a personnel director for a long time had on the 33rd team which i think is a tremendous website yeah. with a lot of former players and general managers and coaches, and he was talking about all the reasons that Bryce Young's size will not keep him from being a star in the NFL, Hmm. and he got really technical on it. And anybody that watched that, and I tweeted it last night, just gets me extra fired up, just like the interview we did on 610 with Ross Tucker, him talking about why he had Bryce Young number one, but it's going to be close because Stroud's a hell of a prospect. He is. He is. And he's he's more the prototype for sure. I'm still a Bryce Young guy, John. What are you? Are you a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud guy? You know, I like Young, and I'm not sure why. I watched a lot of games by both players. Bryce Young's bowl game last year was unbelievable. His game against Georgia this year, unbelievable. And when you see what Georgia's defense did to TCU's offense, it makes it even more impressive. And I don't know why on Bryce Young, maybe because just these, you know, people, I watched a lot of the games because I wanted to see Bill O'Brien's offense. I wanted to see how Bill O'Brien coached him. And I know if Bill O'Brien gives him his unequivocal recommendation to Nick Casario, that'll carry some weight. Mm-hmm. One of the many factors that they'll use because Casario trusts O'Brien and tried to work for him two different times here. <laughs> and uh, But I'm going with Young just – 
Maybe it's because I've seen him more. And he did more with less this year than Stroud did because Stroud had Marvin Harrison Jr., who's probably the best player in the country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's this was not – it's a good Alabama team, obviously, but it wasn't – it wasn't a, a classic Alabama team, to be sure. All right. Um, I think we touched on everything there, John. You want to do a few for real or fugazis and kind of lay out some of the storylines here? For real. Okay. <laughs> All right. So for those who are unfamiliar with this segment, um, and we're going to continue to do this throughout the offseason, I find various topics, most of them NFL-related, but one or two that stray off topic sometimes, um, that uh, are um, – I state them as if they are fact and John says that uh, if he agrees with it, he says that is for real. If he disagrees with it and it's false, he says that it is Bugazi. Bugazi, which is Italian for counterfeit, false, fake. All right, John, let's go. Um, Lamar Jackson tweeted out his medical information um, this past week about his knee. Um, tweeting out the info about his injury was okay. He's just keeping his fans updated. Is that for real or Fugazi? Fugazi. Uh, and I don't blame him for doing it. Players, when they're hurt and the team won't tell it, the team lies about it and acts like he can be back in a week or two, it's got to drive you crazy because now with social media, you see people saying you're jaking it, you're doing it because you don't want to hurt your contract negotiations. He put another one out after that that was obviously a shot at the Ravens without saying it about taking care of your people and what you get from taking care of your people. This is going to be ugly. It's too bad because class organization, a class player, he doesn't have an agent. I don't blame him for trying to get as much as he can. There was a report they'd offered him 270 million with 120 guaranteed. Well, considering Deshaun Watson got 230 million guaranteed, he's not going to get that, but I don't, Blame him for wanting to get somewhere close to between one around one seventy five. Mm. Well, along those lines, John. Next one: the Ravens should trade Lamar Jackson for a Deshaun Watson type package for real or Fugazi. Fugazi. I don't think anybody is going to trade that kind of package for Lamar Jackson. He's a great runner, a great competitor. He has limitations as a passer. People don't like to hear it, but it's a fact. He doesn't throw to the boundaries. He throws down the middle to his tight ends. It would require you to change your style of play. You'd have to have a, a quarterback coach who was accustomed to, to employing and utilizing a quarterback with that skill set. Now, I think if they make him the franchise tag and they don't put the exclusivity exclusive clause on there, then they'll get a right of first refusal. They get two ones. Would a team give up two two ones for Lamar Jackson. I think a coach like Andy Reid, if he needed a quarterback, I think somebody like Kyle Shanahan, somebody like that would do it, but not many would give up two ones. What about the Jets, John, after their owner came out and said, we're going to move heaven and earth to get a quarterback this offseason? If uh, the new offensive coordinator, and this would be so important, you know, they fired Mike LaFleur. Everybody says Robert Sala was made to do it either by the owner or the general manager because those two are really tight. One was the best man in the other one's wedding. I'm not sure which one. You know, before you go making a deal like that, you got to make sure who the coach is that can coach him. You know, do you, do you, do you hire Greg Roman, his coach at Baltimore? 
or do you give him great receivers and hope he can throw the ball accurately outside? But uh, the Jets, since they're competing now with the Giants, the Yankees, I'm not sure how the Rangers are doing and Knicks are doing better than they used to do. You're in competition in the yep. biggest market in the country, and you better not be boring. Yep, box office, absolutely. I, I think it, I think it can make sense uh, in in New York. And obviously, whoever does that has to give him the contract that he wants too, right, or something close to it. Um, if what if gonna... the Jets? Excuse me. What if the Giants franchise Daniel <laughs> Danny Dimes and the Jets signed him and uh, and then they offered him some um, ungodly amount of money and the Giants had to match? Oh, that would be unbelievable. That would be great. <laughs> Um, all right, John, next one. For real or Fugazi, the 49ers are the best team in football right now. Uh, Fugazi, I think Ooh. the Eagles are. When Jalen Hurts is healthy, if Jalen Hurts had been healthy, they'd have won the last two games and finished 16 and won. The 49ers, uh, I, and I, man, Sean, wouldn't we love to see the 49ers defense against the Eagles yes. offense? And the Eagles defense, which has four players in double digits, in sacks. Brock wow. Purdy wouldn't know where they were coming. They led the league in sacks. Uh, 49ers with D'Amico Ryans have an incredible defense. I would love to see that matchup, and I think there's a pretty good chance we're going to see it. It's the Texans' future head coach bowl is what that would be. <laughs> you got three of, the four, <laughs> three of the four coordinators are on the Texans' job list right now. Yeah, we should give them a, a name if that's the way it is, Yeah, like we did to Bush Bowl in 06. Yes. Yes, the uh, the the cow bull or something. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Sean, by bull. the way, yeah. If if people have not seen the last episode that on um, Hard Knocks, yeah. in season Hard Knocks, it's all about JJ Watt. Yeah, I watched it once. I got teared up. I saved it. Got my wife Carol to come in the next day and watch it. I got teared up again. It's just unbelievable. If you are a J.J. Watt fan, be sure and watch The Last Hard Knocks. It was on a bunch of HBO channels. You will not be sorry. Good recommendation. All right, John, next one. With C.J. Stroud now in the draft, it's a lock. The Texans take a QB at number two. For real or Fugazi? For real. Because they're desperate for a franchise quarterback. We all know it. The McNair family knows it. Casario knows it. There's nothing to create a buzz with a franchise like having a new quarterback taken high in the first round. And if you have a new coach that everybody is praising, which has not happened with the last two Texans hires, no. <laughs> we all praised Bill O'Brien because he did a great job in the most difficult college situation in history. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady recommended him. But uh, – I think they can't go wrong with one of these coordinators and having a new quarterback. I think people are going to be pumped. All right, John, for real or Fugazi, last football one, then I got two more. The Bengals' O-line injuries will be their undoing against the Buffalo Bills. For real or Fugazi? For real. Um, John Williams, the left tackle, is gone. Right tackle, Lyle Collins, has been gone. Right guard Alex Kappa is out. I assume he's going to miss the next game. Max Sharping is starting yeah. in their offensive line. <laughs> there you and go. Joe Burrow gets hit a lot anyway. I think it's going to hurt their running game. Now, they should have lost. If it wasn't for the boneheaded play by the Ravens, the Bengals would have lost. 
And if the if Tua Tagovailoa had played that game in Buffalo, Buffalo would lose. So neither one of these teams, even though the Bengals have, I think, an eight game, eight or nine game winning streak, nine, and the Bills have eight. Neither one of them is playing like a team mm-hmm. that is good enough to go to the Super Bowl, and I think it's going to hurt the Bengals big time. Yeah, I do too. I'm with you on that one. All right, John, last couple. Um, the Astros just signed six of their arbitration-eligible guys. The two that are going to, it looks like, could go to arbitration are Kyle Tucker and Christian Javier. Of all of those guys, Javier, Tucker, some of the guys who avoided arbitration from her, if you got to give an extension long term to one of them, Kyle Tucker is the guy. For real or Fugazi? For real, geez, we're agreeing with everything you got. Give me. No, you had all Fugazis until the last two. What are you talking about? No, I've been doing for real. I haven't done a Fugazi. You did three Fugazis, John. You uh, said Fugazi that it was okay for Lamar Jackson to tweet his medicals. You said Fugazi that the Ravens should trade him for for a Deshaun Watson package. And you said Fugazi. You said the Eagles are the best team in football when I said I, Niners. Oh, I thought you said for. I was agreeing with you on all those. I thought I said for reals because I didn't disagree with any of those. Um, anyway, what's this one? John, I said the 49ers are the best team in football. And you said, you Fugazi, said Fugazi, the yeah, Eagles okay. are. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what happens when you get old. Yeah. No, okay, that's okay. So what's, what's this one? Uh, I'll change it. Framber Valdez is the one guy they should give an extension to, not Kyle Tucker. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. They got to give it to Kyle Tucker because he plays every day. They got deep pitching staff. I want him to give them to all of them, to tell you the truth. (laughs) Tucker, they got to get locked down. I think this year, with no shift, his average is going to go up. Even though I've seen analytics, it says the Astros didn't have a lot of hits taken away. If somebody watches every game, I would disagree with that analytic. And uh, so I would hope it would be Kyle Tucker. John, who do you think has a better season this year, Christian Javier or Framber Valdez? I'm going to say it's going to be Framber because he really broke out last year. He's going to be the man. We love Javier, but he's not been able to pitch from start to finish. Yeah, You know, last year he had, what, how many games did he? He wasn't, let's see, with McCullers and Verlander and – and Framber, then he was like the fourth or fifth pitcher. Yeah. Now yeah, yeah. he's, I think now he'll jump up to number two. I agree. Unless McCullers can stay healthy throughout the season. But everybody loves Javier. And if Jim Crane signed them all to extensions now and people go, oh my God, that's a lot of money, it would be cheaper than it would be if they wait a year. Yeah. Uh, because the longer you wait, the more it costs. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. The, Javier is so nasty. He is so nasty. Like, I'm with you. Like, if I had to bet who's going to have the better season, Fromber feels like a safer bet because he's pitched at that level for two or three years now and really jumped up last year where he was getting Cy Young votes. But, man, I think the ceiling for Javier – I mean, John, he like, came for the World Series. The dude gets in there and throws, what, six no-hit innings? <laughs> like, he's – Fromber's really good. Javier at his best is just totally filthy. He's nasty. He did that two times this year, right? Did it to the Yankees. Yeah, he too. did it to the Yankees too. That's right. Back in the first week of July. All right, last we wanted, one. We just want to see the consistency from start to finish and see if he can stay healthy. And if he can take the workload. I mean, Fromber's proven and Fromber led the league in innings pitched. You know, Javier's gonna Javier's gonna be asked to pitch more innings this year, it would seem. Um, all right, last one, John. John McClain's new television has been life-changing, for real or Fugazi? Fugazi. He hadn't even been able to put it up. It's sitting in a box. 
against a wall in the hallway because Carol says she's got to do something about emptying our armoire that we've had for 30 years. Then get somebody to haul it away. But more important, she's got to find a new stand because all of us can't have a media wall with three TVs on the wall like you do. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I show off sometimes. Just, so hey, I show it off too. I'll be showing off just my one, my one big flat screen. Every time I look at it in there in the hallway, I Carol just went out of town for 10 days. I said, when you come back, if you don't get this taken care of, I will. Okay. There you go. You're lucky, John. You got a wife that takes care of stuff like that. So do I. Like I come home from doing my Sunday show yesterday and Amy's got all the decorations taken down and down into our storage unit. And Carol did all that with us, but I can't get her to empty, get rid of this thing that I've been asking her to do for five years. What? The, get rid of this armoire. Oh, the armoire. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's so we get rid of the armoire and then we bring in another cabinet, smaller, yeah. that the flat screen's going to go on. Can go on. I got gotcha. you. Wall to wall, but. I can't get, there's a lot of things she'll do. I think my strategy should be don't do it. Right, right. Do not put up that new TV. As Meatloaf once said, she would do anything for love, but she won't do that. <laughs> and that is get rid of an armoire. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's funny. All right, John, what do you got going on on the various McLean platforms? I uh, did a, a uh, my weekly video I do with Mattress Mac. We talked about all the games over the weekend. We talked about the Cowboys. He has, because we're recording this on Monday, he has a promotion going for the Cowboys to win. Last I looked, they were up two and a half on uh, SportsRadio610.com. I did an in-depth column about the coaches centering on Sean Payton and where he could go and uh, who was the most likely to get him, which I said was Arizona. But the Texans wouldn't be taking the time to interview him unless they were serious about that possibility. But I don't want them giving up draft choices. I don't care about $20 million a year. That's the McNair's money. But a team that needs draft choices, I don't I don't want to give up one of those ones, either Cleveland's or theirs next year. I, I want them to keep them. I don't either. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you on that, John. All right. Um, so we, uh, we are done. We'll do a mailbag episode later this week. We're going to be recording that on – Wednesday, it'll drop on Thursday. It might drop late Wednesday, depending on when Figgy gets it up there. But uh, you can email us questions, mailbag at gmail.com. That's mailbag at gmail.com. I'm sure a ton of you have questions on the draft and on this coaching search, the NFL playoffs. Everything is fair game. Everything we just talked, all the topics we just hit in this podcast, anything branching off of that or similar to that, all fair game for the mailbag episode. So mailbag at gmail.com. We are done. Oh, Figgy, thank you for getting this podcast out to everybody. We thank Figgy Fig for doing that. Uh, for the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will be back a couple days from now with the next episode of Mailbag Episode as the offseason is off and running. you got to keep the podcast. Keep it coming to your phone or your computer, wherever you download it. Hit that subscribe button, and you'll get it sent right to you, um, courtesy of the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.